Well, good evening. It's good to see you tonight. You know you have kind of a pattern established whenever your son walks up to you and says, so you're not preaching tonight? And I said, well, I am. And he said, well, where's your tie? Because I don't wear a tie when other people are preaching, usually on a Wednesday night. And so I said, yes, I'm preaching, but this is Christmas. And so that was my excuse for not wearing a tie. So if I threw you off, I apologize. But uh, Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to be this evening. Matthew chapter 1. After Brother McCracken preached Sunday, there was really not much of the Christmas story left uh, for us to deal with tonight because he covered so much of it on Sunday. And uh, so we're going to look at something that I'll explain more, obviously, in a couple of moments. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. And Lord, I'm thankful personally for the songs that we were able to sing uh, this evening and just uh, to give attention and to focus on your birth and the significance of it in the life of every individual in this world, but Lord, tonight we personally, as individuals, are thankful that you were willing to come to this earth and uh, do what you did by way of your work on this earth and to die on the cross, and uh, God, we just thank you uh, for your entrance, and I'm thankful that we have this time that we can celebrate it, that we can focus on it and give attention to it, and I pray that this evening you would help me uh, to say what I believe you've laid on my heart and that it would be a help to uh, each of us who are here this evening, I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening, I'm going to begin with a statement, and then we're going to get into the message. The statement is this, and I trust that you know this to be so, that you know this to be true, that when we deal with Scripture, we do not have the right to interject our feelings, our thoughts, our emotions, or our experiences into the scripture. That is something that gets us in trouble sometimes. It gets people who identify themselves as believers in trouble sometimes because the word of God is clear. The word of God is specific. The word of God is, again, it's just clear on what it's saying and what it's trying to teach. And sometimes you'll hear people say something like this. Well, I just don't feel that way. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter what we feel. It doesn't matter if somebody says, well, you know, I had a different experience than that, and I believe God understands. No, God has given his word, and God is not concerned about our experiences. We need to get our feelings and our thoughts and our emotions in line with what the word of God says. And so that's a challenge sometimes to divorce your feelings and your thoughts and your emotions from the scripture whenever your thoughts and feelings and emotions are contrary to what the word of God says. But I do believe this, that there are times that the Scripture is somewhat silent. And I believe that Scripture is silent for a reason on certain subjects. And I do think that it's within the realm of appropriate to maybe sometimes ask questions about where the Scripture is silent or maybe why the Scripture is silent, okay? And so this evening we're dealing with something that I have to be honest and tell you from what I can tell, this is not an absolute, without doubt, kind of a truth or kind of a thought that I'm going to be uh, presenting this evening. This is going to be something that it's a question in my heart and it's a question in my mind. Obviously, I think there's some validity to it or I wouldn't waste our time presenting it to us tonight, okay? And so if you leave here this evening and saying, Brother Kyle, that, that is so far off base, that is ridiculous, 
leave that thought to yourself, but just hold on to it, okay? If you feel like you need to take me to task on it, feel free to do that, but do so with the right spirit. But just know that I know that what I'm presenting tonight is possibly uh, what it was. I, I, I know that it's speculation in part on my part, but again, it seems to, to have some validity to it, and I hope that it's a help to us, okay? That in mind, tonight I want to ask you a question. How many of us ever do things to try to help ourselves to remember other things? We do this, don't we? Uh, Susie has a system now in place for her cell phone that if she wants to remember something, she makes herself a note on her phone, and so periodically from time to time her phone will go off. And I've gotten so used to that sound, I will sometimes say, what are you reminding yourself about now? And she'll say, well, I don't want to forget this, or I don't want to forget this, or I've got to be sure and do this. And so that would be the system that Susie has. I have a system for myself that I use to try to remember things. I do a to-do list every week, things that I want to get done, so that at the end of the week, either I got it done or I know I didn't get it done, but at least I didn't forget it. All right? So every one of us, well, and I need to rephrase that, most of us do certain things to try to make sure that we remember things we don't want to forget. All right? Now, with that in mind, I want us to do something this evening. It's not going to feel very Christmassy. It's not going to feel very nostalgic right up front. But I want us to think about the saints of God in the Old Testament. Because saints of God in the Old Testament certainly existed, did they not? And so this evening, if we wanted to consider some saints of God in the Old Testament, we could spend a lot of time doing so. I just want to mention a few names this evening to try to illustrate the point and what I'm trying to get across. I think this evening, if we wanted to go back to the book of Genesis and begin looking at the life of Abraham, we could say that Abraham was a man of God who walked with God. Abraham was not a perfect man by any stretch. He was not a sinless man by any stretch. But he was a man who had a relationship with God. We could go a little bit further in the story or in the book of Genesis and we'd come across the life of Joseph. You know from our study that concluded last week after six months of looking at the life of Joseph, Joseph was a man who walked with God. He had a relationship with the Lord. We could move on a little bit in the scripture and we could come across a man by the name of Moses. No doubt Moses walked with God. Moses communed with God, and Moses was led by God. And there are so many things that we could point to by way of evidence that Moses had a genuine relationship with God. After Moses passed, there's Joshua. And as you move past Joshua, you could continue to look through the Scripture. You cannot read through the life of David, and you cannot read the Psalms of David and walk away saying something like this, well, I don't think David knew who God was. No, David knew who God was. David had a relationship and a walk, and it was a personal relationship with the Lord. And you just keep moving through the Scripture, whether it be Daniel, whether it be Isaiah, whether it be Elijah, whether it be Elisha, whether it be the minor prophets, whether it be Jeremiah, regardless of whom it may be, over and over and over again we see in the Old Testament men and women who walked with God who had a relationship with God. I would suspect 
Not to be an insult to anyone, but I would suspect that some of the names I've mentioned this evening, those men walked with God to a greater degree than many of us walk with God. I mean, as much as I would like to value and and have a high opinion of my walk with the Lord, I don't think I'm ready to compare myself to Abraham just yet. I'm not quite ready to say, you know, I've reached Joseph's status in my personal life, and, and I think God's about to do something in my life like he did with Moses. I don't think I'm there yet. And so I look at the lives of these men, and again, we could go and we could look at the lives of other women in the Scripture, and, and we could say these are individuals who walked with God. And here's what we also know, that while their names are given, there would have been countless other men and women who walked with God. The names I've mentioned tonight and so many other names that we could give, here's what we understand. Their names would be like the main characters in a play or the main characters in a storyline. But again, there would be many, many other individuals who walked with God, who served the Lord, and and had a personal relationship with Him. Now, as that is said, as that is understood, let me just say one more thing and then we'll move on. The people knew they had a walk with God. Does this make sense? Abraham knew that he walked with God. He understood that God led him and that God guided him. Joseph knew that he had a relationship with God. He knew that God was aiding him and helping him along the way. Joseph knew that there was a personal connection between him and Jehovah God. He may not have understood it in its entirety. He may not have understood it like we can understand it today. But Joseph knew he had a relationship with God. Moses knew it, Joshua knew it, David knew it, Isaiah knew it, Jeremiah knew it, Elijah knew it, Elisha knew it, on and on and on it goes. These people had a relationship with God and they were not ignorant of it. They knew they knew God. They had testimony and they had example that they could point to and say this would be evidence of my walk with God and God's interaction with me. Now this evening, most of you know this as well, that when you come to the end of the Old Testament, that scholars and theologians and historians say that from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, about 400 years of silence takes place. Obviously, in that 400 years, people continued to live and people continued to die and the cycle went on and on. We understand that. But for about 400 years, we lose contact with what happened to humanity from a biblical standpoint, from a biblical reference. We don't know what happened to the children of God. We don't know what happened to the Jews. We don't know what happened in the Gentile nations. From a biblical standpoint, there is 400 years of silence. Now think about that 400 years of silence. That is 161 years longer than our nation has been in existence. So you take our nation from the time that the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776, and you take it from there all the way to today, and then you add another 
161 years, and that's what we have unaccounted for between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, I say that to say this. If you look at our nation's history and how much has changed in the 239 years of our existence and how much we have changed even in the last, say, seven years, a lot can change quickly, especially when you consider you have 400 years available to you to change. Things can change from a political standpoint, can it not? Change, uh, things can change from a religious standpoint, can it not? And so over these 400 years of silence, we, here's what we know. When, when we come to the New Testament, a lot that we don't know about has happened, but there are some things that have happened that we know and that we know for certain. In the nation of Israel, here is something that we know for certain, something that has happened by way of change they have changed politically. Israel now, in the New Testament, is under the Roman Empire or under the authority of the Roman nation, correct? And so they have lost their sovereignty and they no longer have the ability to control themselves with the full and complete authority that they had once enjoyed in generations past. And so we understand that they have lost their ability to rule and to govern themselves completely and entirely. They are now subject to the rule of the Roman nation over them. And something we know to be true as well is this, is that the religious institution, the religious atmosphere, and the religious activity that had been established hundreds or thousands of years prior, they are still taking place when you come to the New Testament. But the religious system has been hijacked by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. By the time we come to the New Testament, things are not at all like they were supposed to be how they were originally established when God gave the law back in the book of Exodus and when he gave the ordinances. And so by the time we come to the book of Matthew, things have changed from a government standpoint, things have changed from a religious standpoint, and the people who were alive in the days of Christ, they would not recognize the world that previous generations grew up in, and the people from previous generations would not recognize the world that the people in that day of, day of of Christ's birth, that they were living in. Okay? So the world has changed dramatically. But here's what we know. There are still people who love God. There are still people who are serving Him and honoring Him in the manner in which they are supposed to. You still have people, though the government has changed, though the political climate has changed, though the religious system has changed, and it's not at all what it's supposed to be. In spite of all of that, what we find in the New Testament is this. In that 400 years of transition, there are still men and women who are serving God the way they're supposed to. Well, who would that be? Well, just a couple of examples would probably be someone like this, Joseph and Mary. They were probably walking with God. And not only is it likely that they were walking with God, they probably knew they were walking with God. You would have someone like this, Elizabeth and Zacharias. 
they were walking with God. As the parents of John the Baptist, it's, it's safe to say that they were walking with God, and it is safe to say that they knew they were walking with God, just like Old Testament saints of generations past. And, and you've got someone like Simeon, and you've got someone like Anna. There are just enough examples as we enter into the early stages of the Gospels. There are enough examples that show us that with all the change and with all the, the shifting and the culture and the climate and things of that nature, There were still men and women following God, walking with Him, and serving Him the way that they were supposed to. Big deal. Well, it's kind of a big deal. And I find it somewhat interesting. In Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21. If you remember the context of what's happening here, you know that an angel of the Lord has appeared to Joseph, correct? An angel of the Lord has appeared to Joseph, and he's come with the message, right? And and when an angel appeared to an individual, the angel didn't do that just because the angel thought it was neat. I think it'd be fascinating to go down and visit with Joseph for a little bit, so the angel says, that's what I'm going to do. That's not how it worked, right? When an angel went to Joseph, okay, when the angel appeared to Mary, when when the angel appeared in, in these settings, they came with the message from God, and they came to deliver that message from God and not anything of their own. All right. So in verse number 21, as the angel of the Lord is speaking to Joseph, notice what it says. It says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now this may seem really unimportant right now. This may seem very uninteresting right now, but I want us to focus on a couple of words, all right? And she shall bring forth a son... And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Who is the angel speaking to? Speaking to Joseph. So what does the angel say to Joseph in relation to the baby that Mary is pregnant with? The angel says, thou shalt call his name Jesus. So what is Joseph and Mary going to call Jesus? They are going to call him Jesus. That will be the name they give him. That is the instruction given to Joseph by the angel. Look over in verse number 25. Speaking of Joseph and Mary, it says, And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he, that being Joseph, called his name Jesus. So in the, in the house of Joseph and Mary, what will the child be called? Jesus. Kind of regretting coming to church to hear that, aren't you? <laughs> you knew that, didn't you? That when Christ was born, Joseph and Mary, they identified him as Jesus. Now notice what it says in verse number 23. This is the angel still speaking. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. 
Now, in verse number 21, what did the angel say? The angel said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. In verse number 25, it says that Joseph called his name Jesus. Joseph did exactly as he had been instructed to do in verse number 21. But as the angel is concluding his message to Joseph, he said this, Not thou, but they shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? It means this, God with us. God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means. But as you read this in verse number 23, that they shall call his name Emmanuel, this question popped up in my mind. Who is the they? Who is the they? I know that's not good English, but think about it. Who is that? Well, I don't know. Here's what I'm fairly confident on. They was not a reference to Joseph and Mary. Because the angel said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph and Mary, they were going to identify this child in their life as Jesus, but the angel says, They will identify him as Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Who would they be? Seemingly, best I can tell from the reading that I've done, they would be other people who had somewhat of a connection, best I can tell, somewhat spiritually, to this one named Jesus. So while to Joseph and Mary he would be Jesus, to others, he would be identified in their minds as Emmanuel, as God with us. Now, understand, please, that as we look at Joseph and Mary and Elizabeth and Zacharias and Anna and Simeon, men and women who walked with God and served the Lord and no doubt had a walk with Him, and they knew they had a walk with Him, just like in the Old Testament, the same would have been true in the New Testament, that while there are names given of the primary players or the primary cast, there would have been many other people who walked with God, we just wouldn't have known their names or their faces or anything about their lives, but they were still men and women who were looking for this child, who were concerned about the child, who would have believed that prophecy would have been fulfilled. And so as Jesus was born and as all the pieces began to come together in this puzzle, to one it was Jesus, but to them this was Emmanuel, which meant that God is now with us. We are no longer waiting. We are no longer anticipating. We are no longer looking forward to that day. It has happened. God is with us. Why didn't they just call him Joseph, what Joseph and Mary called him? Because it meant something other than just Jesus in their lives. Emmanuel, God with 
us. As they looked at Christ, here is what it seems to be, that as they looked at and considered the birth of Christ, this for them personally was a clear indication that God is with us and it was a forever reminder. God is with me. God is with us. For those who walk with God, for those who strive to live in obedience to Him, for those who strive to be what we're supposed to be, God is with us. Though we live under a government that no longer appreciates our, and values our religious system, though we live in a religious system that has been hijacked by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all their false teachings, though we live in a world that is corrupt and filled with sin and messed up from every direction, though that is the world we live in, the Jews could look to the birth of Christ and declare that is the reminder that no matter what, God is with us. I don't suspect that they walked through life asking themselves, hey, do you suspect God is with us? Do, do you suspect God is still helping us? Do you suspect that, that, that maybe God is still mindful of us? I think they knew they had this relationship with God. I think they knew that it was established between them and they were living in obedience. But when Christ came, it was just that forever stamp that forever reminder that no matter else what else happens in this world, we can look to Christ and his arrival, and we can know with certainty God's with us. God's with us. Now this evening, the application is probably fairly simple to follow, is it not? Please say yes. The application is fairly simple to follow, isn't it? Think about today. You and I trust that we know men and women of God. Would you say, I think I know somebody who's a man or woman of God. I think I know some men and women of God. I think I know some men and women who are striving to walk with the Lord, and if they're not, they've got me and a lot of other people fooled. I think there are men and women who strive to walk with God. I think they are aware of God's presence working in their lives from time to time. Some of us tonight, with somewhat of a humble and right spirit, might be willing to say something like this. Though I have not arrived, though I'm no Abraham, Jacob, Joshua, and you know whomever it may be, though I am not one of them, you might even say something like this tonight. I'm striving to be that one who is walking with God. Would you say that? You don't have to admit to something that's not true. But, but you may sit here tonight and say, I'm trying to be that person. And you may sit here tonight and say, you know what? I think I've got fairly strong evidence that, that God walks with me. I could look to certain moments in my life. I could see certain examples in my life where I could say, you know what? That is fairly strong evidence that God has been walking with me and God has been working in my life. And so it's not just that I think I'm walking with God. I think there's fairly good evidence to suggest he's been walking with me. Kind of like what Moses or Isaiah or Joseph would say about their walks with God. 
But while we walk with God, I want to ask you a question. How many of us struggle from time to time with our own humanity? I hope that's something we would all admit to. Well, I struggle with my humanity. You probably struggle with your humanity. I don't know exactly how you struggle with your humanity. I could give you a long list of how I struggle with my humanity, but that probably wouldn't help your opinion toward me too much, okay? So we're just going to kind of keep it general and vague tonight, okay? I struggle, you struggle. God's people, we struggle with our humanity, with our sinful nature, right? From a general standpoint... I think many of us know what it means to struggle with doubt. Maybe you don't, but some of us do. Maybe you struggle with fears. Maybe you struggle with frustrations. Maybe there are times it seems like the relationship with the Lord is cold. Maybe there are times in your relationship with the Lord it seems like things are dry. Have you ever had those moments or those times or those seasons in your spiritual life where if you just went by feelings you would have quit a long time ago? Because the feelings and the emotions weren't as strong as maybe as they had been in times past and in seasons past. We have these struggles. But we would say, I'm striving to do what is right and I have evidence that I am walking with God and that God is walking with me. I've got evidence to do that, but I'm struggling and and, and I'm having a difficult time right now. Yes, it is a struggle sometimes. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at our world kind of like the Jews in the days of Christ could look at their world and I could see a political world that has gone nuts and a government that is ungodly and, and a religious system that is absolutely out of whack these days. And it can be disturbing sometimes. And you know what I need the reminder of? I need the reminder that no matter what, God is with us. I need the reminder that as the government is crazy and we don't have a good one to choose from right now, we've got a decent one or two to choose from, but we don't even have a really good one to choose from right now, I, I've got to remember this. You know what? God is still with us no matter what. And as I look at things that are going on in the name of Christianity and you hear about this happening and this happening, I, I need to remind myself every once in a while that God is with me. And when I'm struggling on my own personal level and I'm not feeling it like I used to, and the emotions aren't as strong as they used to, I have to remind myself that just as the Jews could look to Christ and His existence and and, and His reality in their lives and say, God is with us, I need to be able to look at Christ and the reality of His existence in my personal life by faith and be reminded that no matter what, because Christ came into this world and I have a relationship with Him, Christ is with me. He's with me. And if you're a child of God, if you have a relationship with the Lord, then you know what is true for you? It is true for you, just like it is for me and anyone else, that God is with you. I don't feel like He's with me. Well, you need the reminder then that He is. 
Well, he hadn't felt very close. Well, I don't know how to explain that, but I'm just telling you, he's there. God is with us. Jesus Christ, God is with us. Good day, bad day, or just a day, God is with us. Christmas in two days, guess what? God is with us. Lots of family, family we don't want to be with, or by ourselves. God is with us. Lots of gifts, just a few gifts, no gifts. God is with us. God is with us in this Christmas season. Now here's the beauty of it. From my perspective, just my perspective, okay? And this is where you can say, I think you're crazy on all of it and whatever. This is the part for me that's wonderful. When Christ was born, the people did not walk around saying, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. For them, it didn't even register. We had to come up with that, you know, a while back. Okay? Somebody says, what in the world does that mean? It means this. They were not looking at one moment on the calendar where they declared God is with us. They just looked at the existence of Christ and all the prophecy he fulfilled and how all the pieces of the puzzle came together. And for every day of their life, they could point back to the existence of Christ in their life and say, God is with me. It didn't matter if it was the first month, twelfth month, third month, sixth month, ninth month, whatever. God is with us, period. So why is that important? It's important for this reason. Come Saturday, when all the fun and the hoopla has come to a close for most of us, and now we're beginning to have that holiday slump and that holiday, (laughs) okay, guess what? God is still with us. And Sunday, when the bad weather rolls in and the preacher's discouraged because people can't get to church, you know what I've got to remind myself come Sunday? God's still with me. So y'all haven't even worried about it. But this preacher has worried about who's going to be here. What are we going to do? I'm already mindful of this. And I've I've had to tell myself, God's in charge of this. God is with me. It's okay. And as 2016 rolls around and this happens and this happens and this takes place and whatever it may be, God is still with us because Jesus Christ came to this earth and he allowed us to have a personal relationship with him. And in February and in March and in April, and you get the point, all throughout these, these days and, and these months ahead, God is with us. And I like that. I think that's encouraging. God is with me. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens with religion, no matter what happens with our government, no matter what happens in this church, no matter what happens in our families, no matter what, if I am a child of God, I can point back to the existence of Jesus Christ in my life and say, thank you, Lord, that you are with me no matter what. Just something to think about. Come Christmas morning when you wake up, you can just tell yourself, praise the Lord. God is with me. And next week, you can say, praise the Lord. God is with me. That's kind of arrogant. No, it's not. It's what the Bible says. And next month, and on and on, this simple little joy where we can say, God is with me because Christ came to this earth. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer.
Father, as we come to you this evening, Lord, it may be that right now no one is struggling, that right now no one is doubting or questioning or uh, struggling with any of this. Lord, there, there may be a complete assurance in the life of every person here today of your presence and your realness in their life, and for that I would thank you. But God, there may be some here this evening who are struggling. Their attitude is maybe struggling for different reasons. I pray that today you'd help them to remember that you are with them. And that really is the greatest news of all, that you are with them. Lord, for all of us in the upcoming days and weeks and months, there will be times when we struggle. There will be times when we have difficulties. There will be time that our hearts, our emotions, our feelings are not as strong as they once were. Would you remind us in those days that you are with us because of Christ? And I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.